You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of It's My Wrestling Podcast. I'm, of course, as always, your host, Chris Dees. Before I get started, please make sure you hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube and hit the follow button if you're listening on audio platforms. Today's guest is a man I am very, very excited to speak to. Honestly, a little bit nervous as well. He's an absolute legend. That word gets thrown around a lot these days. It's sort of lost its meaning a little bit as time's gone on, but it's the only way to describe today's guest. He's a man responsible for training some of the all-time greats and most decorated wrestlers in WWE history. You can find him these days in Knoxville, Tennessee, training superstars of the future alongside Mr. Glenn Jacobs, otherwise known as Kane, um, in, in, in their own wrestling academy. You know, he's a former WWF tag team champion in his own right as well, and just an integral and important part of the wrestling industry for so so many years and i am honored to be talking to him he is of course the one and only dr tom pritchard tom thank you so much for joining me well chris let me say first of all there's there's a lot of different ways you could describe me and i don't know if legends whatever but i need to take you on tour with us to introduce us every time we go out but thank (laughs) you very much for that it's it's uh, it's i've been at the right place at the right time that's the only way i got these opportunities man but uh, it's great talking to you today really is but you've made the most of those opportunities, haven't you? That's like, like I say, it's it's made me see you as a legend. You're you're somebody so important to the business. Yeah, well, well, I made well, I made a lot of some opportunities. I've let some slip through, but that's okay. That's part of the learning process, and that's why I'm able to at least talk to the uh, the younger generation coming up about the mistakes and some of the pitfalls you may or may not find yourself in. But uh, it, it it's been a great ride so far. It really, really has. Yeah, man, absolutely. And it's far from over as well. Um, so let's talk about that first. That's the first thing I want to come to. Obviously, I said in the intro there, you 
you have your your wrestling school at the moment that you started up a few years ago alongside Glenn Jacobs, better wise known to fans as the Big Red Machine Kane. Obviously, you guys have worked together in the past through your your time in WWF, WWE. But how how did that partnership come about? Like, whose idea was it? Was it something you you both always wanted to do? No, actually, it wasn't. We uh, I've done a wrestling school in Knoxville before, and I found out that it wasn't necessarily. Uh, a sustainable thing. And Glenn was running for the Knox County mayor at the time. We were out having lunch and uh, I was talking about seminars I was about to go to. And the next day he had a uh, uh, event and he said, let me ask you something. What about doing a wrestling school in Knoxville? I mean, you're here, I'm here. Why not? And I said, absolutely not, man. I just don't <laughs> see it working. And then I thought about it and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Now, now, Doing a wrestling school on my own is one thing, but having uh, Kane as as a partner is a totally different deal. So uh, I, I thought about it, not very long, but I said, yeah, let's give it a try. We just have to find a place to do it. So we found a, uh, we have a friend who works at D1 who owns the D1 uh, gym here in Knoxville, and he had a place. So we, we looked at it and uh, at first we were going to do it at Glenn's garage at his old house in Dandridge. And when we went over and looked at that, there just wasn't the room. So that's how it evolved into, we need a place to, to do this if we're going to do it right. And we need a 20 by 20 ring, uh, which is the size of a WWE ring. So we, we talked about it and um, I, I told him I can do this. Uh, we just got to make it work. We have to do it the right way. So yeah. a lot of wrestling schools do it and then they get somebody else to train the guys. But I wanted to be the guy to train the guys every single day and not have anybody else's uh, stamp or uh, footwork on it. And for the reason being, if you're going to go out and say you trained with Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy, then you better have trained with either Jacobs or Pritchard, in my opinion. That yeah. way, yeah. Th that way, when you get have our name on us, we're responsible. And yeah. sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not. But <laughs> but that's the way it works. So that that's how that came about. We just Glenn was when we were talking about it, and uh, by all means, if it was uh, as as Kane, I don't think you get any better than that. No, no, absolutely not. But why why were you skeptical at first? Why why did you think it wouldn't work? Uh, I don't know that it wouldn't work. It's just that you get all the guys that want to come and play wrestler. That's not a problem if that's what you want to do. But I just, I have my way of teaching and training. You have your way. I have my way. The right way, the only way does not exist. But my way is I'm going to train people the way I train people. And um, we're going to have fun, no doubt. But I do it, I think, differently in the sense that I approach it as if you're coming to train with me, you really want to do this or you should really want to do this because I really want to do it. So uh, some people get here and they figure out I'm not their cup of tea. I'm not what they thought it was uh, because I do yell. I do scream, but it's a, it's part of the process. It's a performance. And I try to tell the guys, don't take it personally. This is part of the work. This is part of how I, how I coach. It's not personal. I tell stories. I say outrageous things. I do these things because that's what wrestling is. That's what wrestling should be. It's show business. Uh, and if you learn show business, very sterile and antiseptic type way, then that's the way it's going to come across. I don't believe in doing it sterile and, and clean and things like that. I believe that wrestling and professional wrestling should have 
unpredictability and some outrageousness and some oh my god moments like oh my god i'm so nervous moments and i tell everybody i there's no reason but there is plenty of reason to be nervous and we're all nervous when we start out and we're all young and anxious and want to do the best but once you get to know and understand it's a work life's a work this whole thing it's hard work but but the world isn't always what it seems to be and you have to understand that and i take that approach not just in wrestling but when they come in we talk about things and i try to explain that to them too that not everybody is your friend and not everybody's going to tell you the truth so that that's kind of how i saw it is some people come in thinking it's oh we get to play wrestler we get to go on the top rope we get to moon so yes you do you get to try that as long as you have the basics and foundation down. And that's that's what I stress. That's what we stress at JPWA. So without that, you have nothing. Yeah, so that's obviously that's your mentality and that's your way of looking at things. How different is Kane or Glenn? Sorry, is is he very involved? Or obviously he's a very busy man with his obviously his, his political side of things as well. So is he is he very hands-on or does he get to be at the school, the academy very often? Yeah, he's been hands-on. He he has been very busy before, too. He's a very busy guy. You're right, running Knox County. But he comes down. He's still very passionate about wrestling, and uh, he has gotten in the ring with the guys and uh, shown them a couple things and given his advice. So it's good that he does. When he gets an opportunity, he does come down there. He enjoys watching new young talent, uh, getting in there, having fun, learning, improving. So – he comes down when he can, and uh, we've had other visitors come down, and, and I tell people all the time, you never know who's going to walk through the door, so always be prepared. We have Patreon, and this should go for everybody who's filming anything, whether it's wrestling school, whatever it may be. You never know who's watching, so uh, play like or practice like you're going to play. Don't dog it when you're in class, and don't uh, assume that, oh, this is just for four or five people you don't know who those four or five people might be. Yeah. Um, and we have four, more than four or five people right now, just, you know, on Patreon. But um, the, the thing is, uh, you, you, I want to say you're going to get what you pay for. You're going to pay a lot of money to go to any wrestling school. And we do four hours a night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, thir- or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Wednesday we do promos. So um, there's a lot of work involved, uh, but there's a lot of fun involved too. So, yeah. I um I spoke to Al Snow a few months ago. Obviously, another another man who's transitioned from wrestling to being one one of the best trainers and coaches around. And he he had a lot to say about teaching his guys sort of like the backstage. Obviously, you've just mentioned promos, but he teaches them about like um, ring production and TV and camera work and things like that. Is that something that you teach as well? No, not right now. That that is an OVW, I think, exclusive. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, to them, I, you know, I I don't know if it's exclusive to them, but I know what Al's doing uh, in OVW, and he has accredited course at uh, I'm not sure what yeah. the college is, but yeah. So he offers that. We don't. <clears throat> what well, we again, it's it's just me teaching for the most part. Glenn will stop by and he'll get in the ring, but the majority uh, workload is is on me. So I want to concentrate on what I know I can do. Yeah. Uh, we don't we don't train referees. We don't train anybody backstage in the uh, technical department, so to say. But we do talk about the backstage climate. We do talk about how professional wrestling, what we do in the ring, is that much what the business is really about. And I'm sure Al does too. Uh, but yeah, we all have our different styles. We, we, we all agree though. I would say this Al Snow or 
uh, Rip Rogers, Sin Bodie, whoever uh, is out there training, coaching people today, we all agree, I would think, I would hope, I'm pretty sure, uh, that we the basics are in fundamentals never go out of style, and you have to have that before you can get the other thing. So Yeah, of course, of course. No, absolutely, yeah, you need that foundation completely. Yeah. Um, I think that's why people are a little bit concerned that, that wrestling is now, well, WWE at least, is moving over to like pro athletes and, and football players, like people who don't have that basic understanding. I think that's why fans are a little bit, bit worried about the, the way that the industry's maybe, maybe heading now. Well, yeah, and it's been this way for a while and it'll stop and you'll get the indie darlings or you get the guys who have been around for a little bit. But the good thing about hiring professional athletes is they do have a discipline. You do know that they're capable of being disciplined. They are capable of showing up on time. They're capable of retaining. They're coachable for the most part. I've run into exactly the opposite, as a, as a lot of trainers have too. A lot of football players or other athletes, so to speak, almost feel entitled at a time. Uh, and they come in and see WWE or whatever organization they're working for is always that phony wrestling stuff so they don't take it so serious <laughs> but until they get in there and start bumping because you have to fall down you have to learn a lot of elements in this business that nobody thinks about facial body language movement uh the little things the details are what really really count the details are what hold a match and create a match so you don't, if you've never seen it, never had the love for it, never had the passion for it, then I don't know how you can possibly understand how you're supposed to make an audience feel in return. Yes. So everybody has their own opinion on that. I think athletes are great. Kurt Angle was an amateur wrestler. He, the most uh, unnatural thing, especially for an amateur athlete or an amateur wrestler, is to uh, be on your back or show pain. You don't want to show pain. You, you're, you're a strong guy. But in wrestling, professional wrestling, it's exactly the opposite. So yeah. once once you get that down, and this is a feeling business, you have to get in there and you've got to feel it. You've got to, are they buying what you're selling? And if not, how do you change it? So there's a lot of elements that take years to understand and years to develop just like stand-up comedy, you can tell jokes all day long in front of your mirror in front of an empty room, uh, but you don't know if they work until you get in front of a live audience. Wrestling yeah. the same way. You're going to try stuff, and if they don't react, then move on. Try something else. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about what WWE are doing at the moment with NXT 2.0? Because that's obviously, things have changed a lot in the last few weeks. It really does feel very, very, very developmental now, doesn't it? Like, they're really really trying to train the next the next guy not no there's not many people there that have come from other companies if you know what right. i mean we used to get a lot of ring of honor guys like kevin steen sammy zane um adam cole all those types going to nxt but now we're getting a lot of a lot of athletes and, and people like that aren't we so what do you make of the changes that they've made there is it a, a real conscious effort to try and make new stars or is it i don't know what what, what yeah. do you think about what they're doing i I'm not there, obviously, so I can't no, say I have on. So I have on the ground knowledge of this, and, and I purposely don't speak to anybody there about business, just so we don't get crossed and anything yeah. Yeah. is passed on. But uh, here's my opinion, and wrestling is nothing more than an opinion. Uh, so when you're in a developmental system, the idea when it first started was to keep these guys separate 
and down away from somebody so they can learn and develop. So when they get to the new the main roster, they have some experience under their belt. Of course, when you move up, it's a different system. It's the same, but it's a totally different system, and you have to learn that, and you have to know when to cross the tracks and when to put up the guardrails and not let anybody get through. Um, and what I mean by that is you, you don't want to expose these guys until they're ready. So if they're, they're having a good career and they're doing great down in Tampa, let's say, uh, and they hit uh, a low spot or they hit that bump, um, hit a lapse, or what am I, the word I'm looking for is they, they get in a funk, they get in the low. And, right, and yeah, yeah. if they're up there on the road and that happens, then some guys never, never win it back. Some guys lose their nerve or some guys lose their confidence. And you have to have confidence when you go out there. And that's what being in a developmental system should be for. You make mistakes, you learn. You watch tape, you watch your film back, you learn. Uh, once you're up on the main roster, man, you're out there. And if you you, you don't have too many opportunities to uh, make good, to do overs, you, you, you're yeah. on national TV. And if it's on Raw, you're live. Hell, I'm on both the shows now. They're live. Yeah. So I think that idea, that theory is is the right theory to do with the developmental system. Not that they didn't do a great job with the PC, not at all. It, it was a great thing. It still is. But when you bring in the indie guys, the indie darlings, that everybody in this little, not little, I don't mean, I'm not demeaning it at all, but I'm saying you have a, a certain amount of fans, you have a fan base, you, you have yeah. a core of fans who enjoyed the Kevin Steens, the Sammy James, the Brian Danielsons, uh, and who's to say if these guys can't make it on the big stage? That's that's not it at all. But when you get too much, then it's too much. Yeah. Whereas before you had the guys who might have been wrestling out there, you put them in the independent or in the uh, developmental system, seasoned them, got them in that mind frame, uh, the mind frame of going out with, with as less – pressure on you as possible there's going to be pressure no matter what but to go out there be able to enjoy it have fun have your passion learn it feel it try a bunch of stuff and keep what works and then after you've been there six months to a year have a look see where your progress is and go from there um before when you had guys who already had their style already had their way of doing things you could bring them in and okay they were introduced and educated to the nxt crowd they loved it, but how long can you see the same guys? How long can you see the same style? Fans are finicky. Yeah, yeah. People are finicky. You, you want new all the time, but you want good new all the time. And I certainly understand we can't do the same thing that we did in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But the one thing we can do is keep the restore the unpredictability. Restore the authenticity, the most authentic, 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 <laughs> the most authentic guy in the business right now is Brock Lesnar, in my opinion, because you yep. don't know. He's all, he is unpredictable. He's, he's a badass. He's legit. And uh, nobody really knows what to expect from him when he walks out. And that's what you want. That's what you need. I think we need more of that to come back. So yep. the indie guys have their way and, and, uh, they, not that it didn't work, but now I think they're trying something else, and we'll see if it works. 
It's funny, you, you've actually word for word just said something that I said last night during um, during SmackDown when I was watching what happened with Liv Morgan. Like, you want new, and I appreciate that. We all cry out for new, new, new. We want new superstars pushed. We want new programs, new rivalries. But if they're not good, what what's the point? Like, I, I like somebody like Liv Morgan, but I don't think, as a fan anyway, somebody obviously not within the industry, I don't know that much, but I watch her and I don't think she's ready for that push so as much as she's new and i like new and i like her if it's not right if she's not ready for that spot why push her too quickly and i think we're seeing that by her being pushed we're seeing those flaws well first of all you can't always wait until you're ready and and the office yeah. can't always wait until you're ready if you if you're gonna wait till you're ready you may not ever go so sometimes you do have to pull yeah. the trigger sometimes you have to to, to let him jump and go and develop along the way if you see something and and that's a key element that takes it's it's always a guess no matter what um you take a chance with a guy like let's just say i don't know stone cold steve austin he'll never be anything in this business because all he does is wear black tights black (laughs) boots black trunk uh black vest knee pads he's boring as hell the biggest superstar in the business, Vince didn't see anything in him when he came in. He put him with Ted DiBiase as a mouthpiece. Uh, the ringmaster? What? No. But but Steve Steve was still looking for his identity. And whether he was ready or not, you had to do something. Sometimes you just have to put somebody out and see how do they shine in a spotlight. Some yeah. people take to it. Some people shrivel up. So live the same thing. Um, they Someone obviously sees potential. And someone has to like you before you get an opportunity. That's why we talk about backstage. If you're a complete jerk or you just have no personality whatsoever and and people kind of look around and say, what's wrong with him or her, then it's not going to work. You have to know how to integrate yourself into the the backstage world as well as what we do in the ring. And Liv, I, from what I understand, she's well liked backstage. She, a lot of people think she has potential. Feels she has potential, and and that's what you need. Sometimes gaining your confidence uh, really amounts to someone giving you an opportunity to open up on the big stage. And if you shine through, then more power to you. It's it's up to the performer. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You um, you you mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin in there, and I wanted to ask about that actually because I remember seeing <clears throat> or hearing or reading somewhere Stone Cold said that you you sort of like helped him out in his early career. Was that training or was it more just advice? Were you just sort of like a, a shoulder to you know what I mean, shoulder to lean on kind of thing? Well, we tra- yeah we traveled together early on when uh, we were working Tennessee and Texas, making those trips back and forth, and on what. <sighs> Steve's an easy going guy. Steve is great. Steve is, 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 is one of us. He can just talk with not, he's not, he's special in the, in the sense that he understands uh, and understood who Stone Cold Steve Austin was. So when he started out, he was stunning Steve Austin and we would ride. And uh, on one particular ride, I I remember this very well because it was a a discussion about somehow getting ahead in the business. I don't know how it came up. Don't know who brought it up, but I looked at uh, Brian Lee, who was wrestling his prime time, Brian Lee at the time. And uh, I looked at him and said, what, what is so prime time about you? What, what does prime time mean? And he looked at me and said, you know, like 
primetime Deion Sanders. Um, are you familiar with Deion Sanders? <laughs> Not at all, no. I knew the name. I knew he was a football player. That was it. That was all I knew. So I'm saying there's other people like me. There's other fans out there who are just wrestling fans. Don't care about primetime Deion Sanders. Don't care about the football. Um, so I said, okay. And then I looked at Steven and says, and what is so stunning about you? Because he had long stringy hair. And as I'm saying this, he's drinking a beer and has a dip in his mouth or chew tobacco. And it's like, man, stunning Steve Austin. So, but, but that was something to think about because the name has to match the persona. The persona has to match the name. And you have to, um, and trust me, I've had some horrible names and some horrible personas. So I'm, I'm not knocking <laughs> any of those. I'm just saying you have to find what, what is your fit and how to make it fit. So, yeah, during those trips, uh, I had a great time with Steve. He, he was he was one of those guys you knew was going to make it, but I don't believe anybody could have said he's going to be as big a star as he turned out to be. Yeah. No, no never. No, no, yeah. no chance. Like, even, even just as a fan myself, I was fairly young at the time, but I remember just thinking, this is just a guy. Right, like, but, it, but, but it was – it was just a guy with green tights, white boots, and a short haircut, short blonde yep. haircut. But when he shaved his head and grew the goatee and all of a sudden just went black, and and that's that's what I tell guys to study. It's not what you do. It's how you do what you do. And you have to have that confidence. You have to have that assurance and it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to find yourself. Some people are naturally confident and some people are naturally cocky. There is a difference. You've got to know the difference because cocky will get your ass in, in trouble uh, when you don't really mean to. But you, it really is. I don't think you can have uh, one without the other. You can't be successful without believing in yourself and and doing the hard work, no doubt. You you have to work hard, but you have to have passion. And you have to have drive. And Austin had drive. Austin had passion. And we would talk about wrestling. We would laugh. We would have a good time. And I think, uh, seriously, let me, let me mention this, Chris. I think laughing and having a good time is, is a huge part of the business and the reason why a lot of people want to be in it. I don't know. I walk in some independent rooms, locker rooms, and the guys are on their phone texting. But the guys aren't really talking or they're talking about their match and nothing wrong with that. But uh, it's, I guess it's just a different day and age. It's, it's a different culture. But I really believe those are, are huge pieces missing from the landscape of what the wrestling business uh, used to be. And I think it shows in the programs, too. When you had the Austins, when you had Sean, Undertaker, uh, Hunter, mankind uh vader people like that those were not characters those were authentic authentic people who went out and turned up their persona were they all nice guys no but that's what made them so interesting on tv they were who they were with the yeah. volume turned up and all the drama was going on not just on tv it was going on in the back and um that that's what made it compelling and that's what made it interesting in my opinion now uh it's a little too sterile it's a little too hey we've got this match and we can't deviate yeah. and nobody deviates these days yeah and social media as well as good as social media has been i think we've got to know the wrestlers a bit too much so it's too not much, yeah. you know what i mean like you see 
see somebody being a, a horrible heel, a slimy heel, somebody like The Miz or, or whoever on TV, and then the next thing you see on Twitter, they're like sending nice messages to people about, about their kids being born and things like that. I think it's, like we've said for a long time, kayfabe doesn't really exist. No, it's, it's, it's been now. dead for a while. It really has. But my my take on that is mm. is this, again, Brock Lesnar is who he is. Brock is yeah. that guy. Um he doesn't do a whole lot of social media. I know that's part of the gig these days. I know it's part of the culture. But a lot of people don't understand not only how powerful social media is, but it can really be destroying yeah. uh, a lot of things, like the mystery, like the element of who is really a star these days. Anybody can be a star. Um, we could do a podcast. You can get on YouTube. Anybody has. Everybody has a platform. Uh, to go out and talk about themselves. And then once you've talked about yourself, hey, maybe you're not that interesting or maybe you're over talking a little too much. So we didn't, yeah, we didn't have that in, in the days when I was growing up watching wrestling. So it's like, I, I don't want to say, and I hate when guys say back in my day. <laughs> but but the thing is, there was there was, it was a different world, different place, different time. But I still believe the, the key elements with unpredictability and some authentism of authenticity. It's a great morning for me. Anyway, without having that, it, it, it blows uh, a lot of the concepts out of the water. Everybody knows it's work. Everybody knows what we do, but we don't have to tell everybody how we do it. And a lot of people want to. Um, and I'm not saying we're trying to hide it from them. We just don't, we know it's an illusion. We know that the, David Copperfield really didn't make the Statue of Liberty disappear, but it's a cool thing to watch or it's a cool thing to hear and just go, wow, you know, it's not this way, but I don't necessarily, I mean, I enjoy watching the mechanics of a trick, but I enjoy watching the mechanics of a match. I watch, I enjoy watching someone make something look so great. I can't see through it. Jerry Lawler throws a hell of a punch. Ted DiBiase throws a hell of a punch. Brad Armstrong threw one of the best drop kicks in the business. What the art of wrestling is, is making this look so real, so authentic, and being able to walk out without, without being injured for real. That's the art part of this. And I don't believe just anybody should be allowed to do it. But with the deregulations, um, that's what we've got because a lot of people want to be wrestlers. <clears throat> but if if they don't want to go to the gym, they don't want to work out, they just want to set up a ring and play. And they don't care if they do it in the backyard or, or wherever they can do it. And uh, so that, that's, that was uh, – I, I don't know if it's better today or worse, but it's certainly different. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Some of the names that you mentioned there as well, and and some other names such as like The Rock and Mark Henry, Kurt Angle, as you mentioned before, um, Randy Orton. These are guys who who are masters are doing all of those little things that you've mentioned, and these are guys that you have been responsible for training. So this is this is an opportunity for you to sort of like toot your own horn and blow your own trumpet a little bit. But there are a lot of trainers, there are a lot of coaches, there are a lot of schools, more than ever. I know back in the day. 20, 30 years ago, wrestling schools weren't that common. And now they're sort of sort of everywhere. They're very accessible. So what what about your training is so special and, and your development is so special that we're not seeing guys like that come through from any other places, but you have literally 
trained and developed and mentored and molded some of the all-time greats, some of some of the most decorated champions in in wrestling history. What what is it about your style? I, I, I really don't think it's my style. I think it's talent you just mentioned because you have to be coachable. And number one, you have to have talent. You can coach anybody. Good, good players want to be coached. Great players want to be told the truth. And if you can't tell someone that this looks bad and correct it, uh, then what good are you doing them? But and you don't hear that. That's what I mean. You you can't just say tell someone, oh that was horrible. Get on now, do it right next time. No, if that was terrible, show them how to do it right next time. Show them how to do it right, or show them how they can do it and make it safe and make it look good and make it better. The the talent you just mentioned, oh my God, they were going to be great no matter where they went. So every every coach, I, I've been, I was just fortunate to be there at that time and at the right time. And and had all these guys who had this drive and they had this incredible, insatiable appetite to be better every day. And as, as a coach, sometimes you, you have to know who to pat on the back and who to kick in the ass. And there's only that much room to decide. <laughs> what do you do? How do you figure it out? It's I think nobody knows if they can coach until they try it. So you you, you go out and you do what you feel is right. You, you explain how you feel is right. They either get it or they don't. Um, and once again, if you do what you can, and this, this is where the coaching comes in, you don't just beat them over the head with a stick, but you explain. And I will yell, and I'm not just like, no, you dumbass, I don't do that. But but I do it in a, in a way that uh, you hopefully, and that's why I have to explain it right off the bat to everybody, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at you, but I'm not yelling at you. I'm yeah. yelling at you. Watch how I do this. I hope so. Isn't it? I hope so. <laughs> so that so that, that that's I think again. Uh, I don't know what style it is, but that's my style. And I tell stories too, and I try to make the absurd sound absurd. So you look go, and you're asking yourself, what was the point of that? And and maybe a couple of days later, you'll see it. Last night, as a matter of fact, just as a real quick example, I it, when you hit the ropes, you put your right arm over the top rope so you don't slide in between the top and second rope. Mark Henry broke his ankle hitting the ropes and he didn't put his hand or his right arm over the top rope. This is when he first started, slid through the top and second rope got his neck hooked, snapped his ankle, snapped his ankle when he first started. And it was with me. Uh, so last night we were in our first week of our last class of 2021. Fellas learning to hit the ropes just on the first week. Yes. And um, one fellow slipped through the ropes. Didn't get his hand, didn't get his right arm over the top rope. And I said, I'm so glad you did that. So everybody now saw why it's important to keep your head or your, your arm over the top rope. So it, it's coachable talent. If they listen to you, great. But I think every coach would like to take credit for a lot of things, but you got to take credit for their talent. No, I don't think we can do that. So yeah. we've just been really lucky. Well, you said a few times that you've been lucky and you were in sort of like the right place at the right time, but but was was this what you always wanted to do? Once you hung up your boots and stopped wrestling, did you always want to get into <clears throat> teaching and coaching uh yeah actually i wanted to continue in the business obviously the business i've always loved and and yeah. always been passionate about and once i started coaching 
uh, once I was given the opportunity, I found that I did like it. I found that I could do it. And so now it gives me still uh, a link with the business, something to do with the business. It's the great part is when you have people go out and get signed or have success and not only uh, monetarily, but just in life, go out and do what they want to do, live their dream, even if it's not in a major company. And, and I've come to that realization. Not everybody who comes to us or goes to wrestling school wants to wrestle for WWE, AEW, or Ring of Honor. They just want to wrestle. They just want to go out there. And if it's in the armory, if it's in a high school, if it's 30 people, 20 people, I've come to the realization uh, that that's, that's what we're going to get a lot of times is um, people who want to live a dream. And I, I tell them at the beginning too, that's cool. If you're here just for the experience and a lot of people go to wrestling school just for the experience. But I do say, if you're here for the experience, I'm going to give you the whole experience. So don't expect it not, not to be tough. And I'm not a drill sergeant. I don't do the drill sergeant. Uh, you know, William Regal's a good friend of mine, and he does squats every day, does the push-ups every day. Um, I truly believe squats are great for you. But if you're going to do squats and push-ups, do them before you come to wrestling school because wrestling school is for wrestling. That's my philosophy. And we're going to learn the bumps. Uh, we're going to learn the lockups. We're going to learn a headlock takeover. We're going to learn how to do spots, simple spots. We're going to do a drop to hold. We're going to do some up and overs that are so basic. And I'll show you in pretty much every wrestling match where I do believe you're going to have to lock up. You're going to have to learn how to walk in the ring. It is footwork. Those are little small things. So uh, anyway, everybody has their style. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like at, at one point, it was just for everybody was the dream. WWE and now things have changed so much that you know there's there's so many other options now it's good it's good it's good for the business it's good for everybody it's good for fans um as a fan one thing I want to quickly go back to there I mentioned the name The Rock and I would be remiss if I didn't ask did you always know did you just always know what he was going to to develop into no no again okay. it's just like just like Austin no you knew he was going to be big you knew look he had the bloodline he had the yeah. genes. He had the talent. This this guy was phenomenal. You knew he was going to be a big star. You knew he was going to be a top guy, but you didn't. I, I don't think anybody could have said he's going to be one of the most recognizable faces and names in the world. I mean, that's that's pretty that's crazy. Big. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's yeah, that was big. But but he was once again. Um, and I, I hear this, well, not as much, but from people who still who still uh, have talked to him or, or done business with him. He's still that same guy. He's a businessman and he always has been, but he's still that same guy. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, I don't believe you're that same guy after you've already had all that stuff. But, but the cool thing is he knows how to communicate with people and he communicates with his fans. He communicates with his colleagues, with his friends, the same genuine way he always has. You looked at him when he came in. He had something. He had a great smile. He had great personality. He yeah. was talking like that when he was training. Uh, you know, he was a great, he was a smart ass when he was training in a good way. <laughs> and uh, that that's what you want. Again, having fun. Uh, people backstage making you laugh, making this business fun, being talented. The greatest thing in the world when it was when you can go out and work with your friends like Austin and Rock got to do. 
and got Austin got to have his last match with Rock, and they were great friends. They were great rivals, but they were great friends. And and Rock has always treated everyone with respect. You give respect, you get respect. You earn respect. Uh, you give respect. You give respect. You earn respect. You get respect. I'll get it right one day. But uh, I couldn't. I don't think anybody could have told you he's going to be this global superstar. Uh, but he 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 had that drive. He had that um, that thirst, and you have to have that. A lot of elements. You you've got to have confidence. You got to have drive. You you've got to do whatever it takes. And I, I say there's three kinds of people in the world. Those who try when they don't make it, they say, at least I tried. Those who give it their best shot. And if they don't, they give it their best shot. And those who do whatever it takes. And Rock did whatever it takes, whatever it took. And um, he capitalized on his on his uh, opportunities. Yep. Yep. And it's literally made him the biggest star in the world. I think he's the, the highest paid, highest grossing actor in the world. It's crazy. There's so yeah. many people now who, who don't know that he was the rock, who don't know that he was a wrestler. Yeah. And like you say, it's a testament to him and his drive and his passion because he just seems like the busiest man in the world. He's always promoting something or filming something, or, you know, he's got his own business ventures outside of movies as well. I think it's, it's clear to see, that that's on him as much as WWE got him ready and gave him that platform. You can tell that he's just a, a, a determined, passionate guy. He, he really, really is. And uh, he did learn that in WWE. He learned that by being around Vince. He, he learned the work yeah. ethic and he learned that uh, uh, if, if you never work for WWE, then you can't understand when they talk about Titan time and work ethic and Vince will call you at one thirty in the morning or two, three in the morning. It doesn't matter what time. Cause he's up. And even when he takes his power naps and, and gets up, um, he's always on the go, always working, always never idle. And, and Rock picked up on that. Rock learned that habit, and he's instilled it in everything he does. Uh, so I think it, it, it was uh, training under Vince McMahon, certainly, and on the road and understanding how to budget your time, and uh, as best as you can, because sometimes there's not enough time in the day. But he did. He learned how to do that. And and to this day, he, he has uh, everything he touches. Uh, he, he makes sure it's the best it can be. And it's a great production team with him. So, yeah, I think he's done pretty good so far for himself, huh? Yeah, he's doing fine. Wow. Yeah, he's all doing right. all right. Yeah. <laughs> It'll do for now. Yeah. <laughs> right. I want to ask you something that I, I don't think people give you enough credit for. I don't think... I think people quite often forget that you had your own successful in-ring career. You know, as I said at the very start, former tag team champion. I know I've read that you sort of like bounced around the territories before you ended up in Smoky Mountain. What was what was your time in Smoky Mountain like and working with somebody like Jim Cornette? I have nothing but love, respect, and admiration for Jim Cornette. He gave me an opportunity when there was no opportunities. And I've known Jim since I first started too. You know... This is, this is why I say just on an on a off ramp here real quick. I tell everybody about, um, I, I tell everyone who comes that I've made every mistake there is in the business and God have I. But once, once I got the opportunity to step back uh, from my career and look at the other side of it and watch people coming in and making some of the same mistakes and others making even more of the same mistakes, it allowed me to go over and at least open up some dialogue with them. Um, so with Jim Cornette in Smoky Mountain, uh, 
I, I had already been around for God going on 10 years, 1990. Uh, so that's when he called and it was an opportunity because uh, it was supposed to be Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express coming over from Charlotte. And Bobby had just signed another contract, Bobby Eaton. So instead of uh, putting the heat on Bobby or putting pressure on Bobby, they said, no, 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 you stay because Jim couldn't pay him what Turner was going to pay him. So he, he called me and I was, uh, I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't hesitate. He, he gave me an opportunity. It was, uh, it was an opportunity that, and that's all it was. I knew it was an opportunity. Um, and I, I knew, and I thought being associated with Jim Cornette, uh, couldn't hurt either because he's one of the top managers in the world. One of the greatest. And I, I believe, uh, certainly in the top five, we always talk about, uh, who the top managers are and Cornette will say, I always put Bobby Heenan first and uh, yeah. then, then it might be himself and then Paul Heyman. But, yeah. but Jim is definitely in that top five because he learned from Heenan. He, he, he got a lot of his rap from Heenan. So um, it was a great time. It was a fun time, but it wasn't a lot of money. And Stan Lane had already pioneered a territory before a couple territories. And uh, I think he had just, it wasn't, he wasn't having as much fun anymore. I mean, they, they had already been through the Warriors, the uh, uh, Rock and Roll Express, and a lot of the top teams in Charlotte. And now he's in Smoky Mountain working with Rock and Roll in the high school gyms and taping four TVs in one, one afternoon. It's like, man, it can be a lot. Of, it can be a lot. It can be a little uh, <laughs> overwhelming sometimes. When you, he was living about 200 miles away. And when he would come in, uh, you know, he, he did his thing. I did my thing. But, and we got along great. But, you know, Stan had been around for a while. He'd been with Bobby. He'd been with uh, Jimmy. But, you know, I'm, I'm uh, we all have our quirks. We all have our personalities. So I just think it was a, it's a matter of Stan wanting to stay home and just not wanting to be out on the road so much. But uh, I loved, I love Smoky Mountain. I love Cornette. I loved, uh, you know, that's why one of the reasons we're back in Knoxville. Our daughter went to the University of Tennessee. And this is a great place to be, great place to live. And uh, when I was working Smoky Mountain, this was a great territory, pretty close towns, uh, beautiful women, beautiful scenery, beautiful town. So I loved every minute of it. It's good to hear nice things about Jim. It is because I'm, I'm a big fan of him myself. I'm a big fan of what he does on his podcast and on his shows. A lot of people have obviously got a very negative opinion of him. I think that's that's part of his character, his persona now. I think he wants that because it gets people well, talking, you know. Yeah, but but he's been like that his whole life. That's that's yeah. Jim up front in the back. That's 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 him. That's no there's no pretenses. And and I've had him mad at me before. I've had him upset. That's that's not a problem. I certainly understand. I we uh Bruiser Bedlam and I were, were playing around on a promo. And Jimmy was uh, in the ring in front of people. He was cutting the promo in front of us. And Bruiser and I are back in the back laughing and joking and, and playing around. And Jim had to do this promo and, and get the information out there. And now he's losing his train of thought because we're distracted. And he got back and said, you can't be doing that. Now I got to recut this. <laughs> I apologized. Um, and, and because he's right, he, you know, he was under a lot of pressure, but he's a great, he's a, he really is. He's, He's got his opinions and he's entitled to them like everybody else. Uh, but he's passionate about wrestling. He loves the business. He's, he's an intelligent guy. And um, 
you know, he has his ways, but we all have our ways and I, I still have nothing but admiration for him. Awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, so we've talked a lot about your training, people that you've trained, people you've coached and mentored. I'm really keen to, to hear about the man who trained you, the Iron Sheik, obviously quite the name, <laughs> quite the character. <laughs> well, at, at, the, at that time, he wasn't quite that guy yet. He quite was crazy. Muhammad. Yeah, well, he was Muhammad Farouk, and I was working in the wrestling office during that time. And uh, it was look, looking back, I was again very fortunate. It was in the right place at the right time. But at 16 years old, uh, or might have been, I was 15 during the summer uh, out of school. I, I the story is, is a little longer than this. How I got the job, but but I started working at the wrestling office for Paul Bosch, 75 bucks a week, and I would have paid them. 75 bucks a week just to work that was so great and i would always bring gym gear to the office because you never know when an opportunity like this is going to come up and this is how it happened uh there was a football player in houston who wanted to be a wrestler of course he saw it and there were other wrestlers during that or football players during that time part-time wrestling so gary hart would drive in from dallas or fly in from dallas friday mornings come down to the office and Paul and Gary was a booker, Paul, Gary Hart, Bronco Lubitsch would go over the matches that night. Well, on this occasion, uh, it was Gary Hart, uh, Bronco Lubitsch and the Iron Sheik, I believe. Guy, the football player showed up and Paul came out and said, uh, looked at me and said, you can, you can take him down to the Coliseum. And if you want to get in there, you can, you can too. And I went, oh my God, here's my break. So we go down to the Sam Houston Coliseum. Now, I've been sitting next to Paul for about, I don't know, maybe a year now, whatever it was, at ringside. Yeah, as his assistant. Gina Hernandez used to do that. And before that, it was Paul's nephew. And Gina Hernandez had just broke in. And uh, so we go down to the Coliseum. Never been in the locker room. And we go in, it's empty. And now I'm about to walk in the dressing room. Walk in, I'm going, uh-huh. Okay, now I'm going to get in my shorts and, and shoes and everything. And I'm thinking the Iron Sheik's going to put on his uh, uh, toed boots, his curly-toed boots. But he puts on an amateur singlet and amateur wrestling shoes. So uh, I've heard the stories, and I'm, I know you have to pay dues, and I think I'm going to get stretched. And I was right, uh, because he said, uh, all right, I'm going to get down on all fours. We did squats first. We did put. We did all, all the deal. But first thing I did for wrestling, he said, uh, "You try and turn me over." And Sheik, I was about a buck sixty-five. Sheik was about two thirty, two forty, solid. <laughs> and uh, he gets on his hands and knees. I try to turn him over. He turtles on me, just lays flat. I can't do anything. He goes, "Now I do it." So he got me, turned me over to this day. I don't know what hold it was, but he grabbed me in, in something, stretching my neck back. And I said, okay, okay. He goes, no, scream, scream. I said, okay. He goes, louder, louder. And then he finally pushed me away and did the same thing to the football player. Then he had the football player and me lock up, or it was going to show us how to lock up. And on me, he shows me how to lock up. And your left hand goes behind the neck and the right hand goes on the elbow. So we go to lock up and I lock up too light. And he says, no, this is the way I want you to do it, strong. So we lock up again, and I slap him right in the ear. So he got that look on his face, and he looked at me and says, I did not say, and he slapped me right in the ear. <laughs> I mean, he rung my bell. He really did. But uh, 
that was that was it. We, the the football player came back one last time the next week. Never saw him again. Cosro showed up about uh, I think two more weeks after that. Then he left the territory. Nick Kozak had a ring down in his record service with a guy named Joe Pizza, and he and that's where I went for the rest of my training. Uh, but but Cosro has called me his rookie on a few occasions. Um, and I've worked with him a few occasions too. So, but he wasn't as crazy then. I mean, he, he, he'd been here, I don't know, a few months and, uh, he, again, Mohammed Farouk, he was still in great shape. Um, I think, I think Texas where he might've been, where he might've gone crazy because there was a lot of crazy guys down there, but, uh, he was always, he was always good. I expected. And again, back then it was different. You, you, you had to have some way of passage and the guy stretching was one way so i was looking i was i was expecting it actually sounds intense that's exactly what i was imagining that's sort of like you know <laughs> it was a little intense especially as a 15 <laughs> 16 year old kid just going yeah. holy jesus i just got slapped by the area uh, by mohammed freak with the iron sheet yet but <laughs> brilliant what a character what a character yeah <laughs> right i want to i want to ask um a little bit more more modern day now. Um, obviously, your your brother Bruce is is well known within WWE and within the fandom. He's obviously got a very successful podcast. Another podcast that I'm a really big fan of. I, I love the work that he does there alongside um, Conrad. Obviously, on the other side of that, he's known for his executive roles within WWE and helping to book and create Raw and SmackDown. Comes under a lot of fire for what he does there. Obviously, fans are very quick to judge. That's we were, as you said earlier, we're allowed an opinion, and unfortunately, a lot of the time, a lot of when things aren't going well in WWE or when there's things to complain about, those complaints tend to be directed at either Vince or at Bruce. So, obviously, as his brother, I don't know how candid you can be, um, but but what what do you think of the job that he's doing there since he was brought back, and especially since he took over doing both shows because. We often see such a golfing in quality between the shows, even though it's the same person. Is it? Is it? Does it come down to the roster? Does it come down to the talent, like we said earlier, with the training? I, certainly, you have to have somebody lead the charge. Certainly, you have to have somebody outline what they want, what what they what whoever's calling the shots wants. It's Vince McMahon's company. He has again every right to do it his way. Uh, but he has to rely on other people and delegate as well. If you've never been in that environment and before I, I just wanted to wrestle. That's all I wanted to do. But when I got in that environment uh, in Stanford and moved there in 96 and saw the way things really worked in the machine, it, it's a, it's a lot of moving parts and it's a fast moving machine and it doesn't stop at night. It, it, it's a 24 hour gig. It really, really is. And while everybody is quick to judge and I, I have a really good friend of mine who wants to tell me everything wrong with raw and everything wrong with SmackDown. And I say, man, a lion doesn't have to tell you he's a lion. I see it. I get it. Okay. But um, it, it's not as easy as it looks. And I always say, what would you do? What's your solution? What's your plan? Don't just say it's a, it's horrible and then don't offer an alternative. I mean, oh, it's easy to say, oh, that's terrible. Well, what would you do? Um, 
Well, let's see. I would do a personality profile. Okay, we do that one week. What's next? Give give me a whole year. A whole year? Well, yeah, because we want to got WrestleMania here six months down the road. How are we going to get there? Plus, we have these other pay-per-views along the way. Plus, we have these other business deals going on. It's not just wrestling. It's a it's an entertainment company. And I'm not trying to defend or uh, knock anybody. I just know everybody there is working their, their ass off to make it a great product. I don't think they go on TV every week saying, boy, let's see how bad we can make it this week. <laughs> Does it work like that? Sure. I'm sure there's, there's weeks. I don't get a chance to watch it every week because I'm, I'm teaching. Yeah. But um, if, once again, when Vince came out and, and went on public TV or went on national TV or worldwide global TV, and told everybody, we're not going to insult your intelligence. We're sports entertainment. We're, we're not really doing what you think we're doing. Well, if you remember, that was right before the Attitude Era, and things exploded. So people were, even though they knew, they still wanted to see The Rock, Stone Cold, yeah. Mankind, The Undertaker, Kane, all those guys. Where are your Rocks, Shawn Michaels, Undertakers, Kane? And where, where are they these days? I mean, we got Gargano, we got Adam Cole, we got some of the guys they want to talk about in NXT. I'm not a big guy either, but they don't look like that mega star power to me either. You know what I mean? The Undertaker is a star. The Rock is a star. Austin is a star. Sean is a star. Hunter is a star. As much as I want to, uh, or I don't want to, but as much as some people want to, uh, knock everybody who's responsible, they got to look in the mirror. I'm talking about the talent now. They've got to look in the mirror. Austin took it upon himself to change his gimmick, shave his head, come up with Stone Cold. It was Austin. It wasn't the office. Rock was the one who came back and says, why are they, they booing me? I'm on babyface. I'm doing what you guys are telling me. Like, wait a minute. No, do what you feel. Do what is in your heart. Do what is authentic to you. So, Tell me, I love Drew McIntyre. I do. He looks tremendous. Yep. Um, I, I, a lot of guys there doing great. I love Sheamus. He's tremendous. Um, Roman Reigns. Oh, my God. So what's missing? Is it scripts? Are we giving the guys scripts for promos? I really don't know. Um, I read just like everybody else does. It. Yeah, somebody gave you a script or, or things changed for four times that day or five times six or still changing going on the air. Guess what? That's what happens when you're doing a live TV show. Um, and, and for people who've never been in that environment, who don't understand why things change, there's no explanation. No explanation will do for those who, who, who uh, believe no explanation is needed for those who don't believe no explanation will do. So until everybody who wants to be an armchair quarterback is actually <laughs> sitting behind that uh, switcher in the production truck or sitting at Gorilla calling the spots, you don't understand if they had six minutes going out to the ring and got cut down to a minute and a half and those guys are scrambling and they're not, they don't have 
15 or 20 years under their belt. They may have four in NXT. And they've got to learn how to do that on the fly. That's why, going back to the developmental, if that situation happens to you, and we used to do that on a few occasions, give you a time to go out to work with and then tell the referee in his ear, oh, we had six, now we got a minute and a half. Adjust and adapt. There you are. You're thrown in the water, but it's in a pool that's surrounded by lifeguards. On Raw or SmackDown, you're out there by yourself, and it's your partner who's your lifeguard, and they don't always know either. The guy you're working with, the referee can do what he can do, but he can't have the match for you. So there's a lot of elements people don't see. There's a lot of issues people aren't aware of, and it's it's really not their business. But they're doing their entertainment company. It's not a wrestling company. And it's why it is World Wrestling Entertainment. So they can they direct, and I've heard it again, like I said, I've got a I've got a couple of friends that mentioned it every <laughs> those guys are working sometimes till three in the morning and working on Vince's schedule. Um I've seen it. I understand how I don't understand because I'm not I'm not there right now, but but I understood, I understood. The urgency that was when I was there, I, I understood the excellence that they looked for uh, when I was there. Do they always achieve it? No, no, everybody is is working, but that's a weekly thing too. You got five hours of live television. You don't know if somebody's going to be injured. You don't know if somebody's going to make their connection. You don't know if somebody's hurt or whatever it may be. Um, it's not just, here's my plan. Here it goes. We're going with this first draft. Because somebody in that production meeting is going to have a different opinion, different idea. And that's why you have those meetings, because somebody might have seen a period over here where it should have been a comma. In other words, if we got this ending here on this promo and music hits, no, wait a minute. I think you need to have another line here. And then we hit the music. It's a simple little small detail that can make all the difference in the world. And people don't always always take the time to look into the details because if you did, then you'd be driving yourself batty and crazy like everybody else is. <laughs> it's, it, it's just fans, isn't it? Like I say, fans looking for something to complain about, something to nitpick, something to get likes and comments and to get attention. Like I've, I've, I've fallen foul of it myself. I've complained sure. about things for the sake of it. I think we all have, but we're sort of like in between a rock and a hard place because people say they don't want Raw to be three hours long. Obviously that's, not purely a WWE decision. I know it's the networks as well, so they want three hours of, of TV programming. But if you cut it down to two hours, then you get fans complaining that not all of the wrestlers are going to get on TV. So you can't really, you literally cannot win. You're, you're doing your best to appeal to the masses, to the most eyes on your product. And uh, once again, I think it goes back to you had your rocks you had your stone cold you had your mankind you had your guys who were yes they were characters but they were real they were all personalities you could see that element mick foley of a mankind he could be that persona he could melt into this and not come out of it for sometimes days i do that man i melt into a promo mode and i don't come out out of it for for days sometimes and it was a lot more fun to do that back then but austin was austin um he, he was that guy that you saw on TV, a redneck who liked to drink beer. Who are your Austins these days? Who is going to connect with people like that? And that that's that's another part you really can't 
it, it's it's like nailing jello to the wall you can't say look what austin did and copy it you yeah. can steal parts of it and you can uh adapt parts of it but once austin came out um he was the guy and anything even remotely close to him you're copying austin uh a lot of people want to wear their jorts because John Cena wears jorts. Well, John wears jorts, and if you do, you're going to be compared to John Cena. Get wrestling gear. John had over 100 pairs of wrestling boots, and then he winds up with jorts and uh, tennis shoes. So you don't know what you're going to be in the end. You don't know what's going to, going to stick to you, what's going to find you, or you find it, and, and it connects. Austin had black tights, black boots, Black, everything black, just bland, bald head. But my God, what was it? Why did that building, why did those people erupt? What was the magic? Well, that was it. It was magic. It was something. And when people saw Steve come out and he was that, that's that's who he is. That's who he was. And um, that that is missing today. So the guys have to write with what they have. You have talent. Okay, well, this is what we got. Uh, we tried with NXT and all these guys that came from the independents. And okay, that's good, that's great. But if they were so hot on the independents, well, why aren't they hot in the other place? Because it's two different worlds. Yeah. That's why it is two different worlds, and that's why a lot of people don't always understand. Boy, he was great here. Why isn't he great here? Because it is. It, you have to learn how to adapt. You've got to have the confidence to do it too, but you also have to have knowledge how to navigate, um, not just backstage, but the matches and, and how it is laid out. And if you don't know anything and you don't have the, the confidence in yourself that you do, um, then you can get swallowed real easy. It's an intimidating place. It's an intimidating feeling to walk in the first time backstage at a WWE show and see all the trucks and see all the signs on the wall. And then you go to catering and then you see the various setups for the, for the on cameras and things like this. And everybody's working in a, in a, a synchronized chaotic manner. And it's constant. It's a constant buzz, constant movement, constant uh, uh, something in the air the whole time. And, and that's how you operate. Um, so we can blame we can blame everybody and everything, but uh, you're not going to please everybody, and you're not going to yeah. be able to fix everything. So yeah, fix yourself cool. and, and be uh, cool with yourself. Is what I say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's such an eye opener. This is why I love talking to to veterans like yourself. Um, spoke to Lance Storm, the Godfather, Al Snow, guys. We've got a real insight because as fans, we just are like, yeah, cool. Be a wrestler. Right. Turn up for work. Wrestle drive on to the next place but there's so so much more to it than that it's um yeah, yeah and, it, and it's real quick man it's so much more to it and it, and it it used to be so much fun and i think that that's what a lot is missing today too the guys having fun will translate in the ring i think uh and authenticity will translate um and if it's if it's real enough and people are interested enough then they'll get back into it. But I think everybody has lost interest because there's nothing to be interested in these days. Yeah, there's no hook. 
There's no yeah. hope to keep you. So like when they bring in when they bring in like a Bad Bunny, somebody like that. I didn't know who Bad Bunny was. I'll be honest. I wasn't against right. it. I know I had a vague idea that he was this big Latin music star, brought a lot of new eyes to the product. But the problem was, they it brought those eyes in, and then they didn't do anything to keep those eyes. Right, right. And I I don't know. Uh, well, I I knew he wrote the songs for Booker T, and mm-hmm. I knew he was a wrestling fan, and I knew. He was very respectful and he loved the business, which is great. Those are the kind of guys you want to bring in and get eyeballs on you. And they got eyeballs on him. He was on Saturday Night Live with a belt. He was on the uh, Grammys or whatever. I mean, so yeah, anytime you could do that with a, a major tie in and hopefully tie it to one of your stars like Martinez. Um, so I, I didn't either, but, but again, the effort was there and you've got to know, you got to have people around you to know what's relevant, who's relevant. Yeah. As much as people want to say Vince is out of touch. Um, maybe, maybe not. We don't, again, don't know because yeah. I'm not there, but, but he has people who that's why he brings in the young writers. That's why he brings in people who may not have experience in wrestling. He's not a wrestling company. It's sports entertainment. Uh, he's looking for the most money for the stockholders. He's looking for the, uh, best interest of the company and his employees and uh, doing the best he can with what he's got. And if it's not working, he'll find somebody else until he finds <laughs> the one, he'll find the one that fits. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Right. I'm glad you, you mentioned fun and laughs in there because the, the very last question that I want to ask you, because I know you're a busy man, you've joined me really early in the morning. So I want to wrap up by just asking you one, one last question. You've obviously been in and around the industry for a lot of a lot of time now, a, a good few decades. You've worked with a lot of the, um, how can I say this, guys who were known for their pranks and their ribs. And we don't we don't really hear about ribs anymore. We don't hear about all that sort of like practical joke side of things anymore. Obviously, two of the two of the greats for that that are always really closely connected are people like Kurt Hennig, Mister Perfect, and Owen Hart. I'd love to know what's what's the the funniest or the craziest rib that you've ever seen or ever been a part of or ever had played on you. Are there any any that stick out for you that maybe Owen or or Kurt were responsible for? Um, or were there too many? <laughs> well, no, there was a lot. There was a lot, but but uh, see. I think this is this is again going back to the world today and the culture we have today. Um, Owen did harmless pranks, and Kurt, for the most part, did harmless pranks too. But Kurt, man, you didn't want to go to sleep uh, around Kurt either because it was that. All right, so Chris, this is this is um, a different business than I watched and grew up in. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if anybody knows how to have fun today. I don't know if anybody understands what what a rib really is. It's not. It's not to be mean. Uh, although there were some mean ribs, that's what I'm saying. There, there were some mean ribs, and there were some nasty ones, but there were some some just funny ones, just just to to pass the time, I guess. Um, but. I don't think anybody took it as personal or as serious as they do today. And you can't do a lot of things we did back then today. 
And thank God, because it's a lot healthier <laughs> lifestyle and it's a lot healthier and, and safer for people. But I, I don't know if there's the, the only rib that Owen ever played on me and it was so harmless. Uh, we had checked into the same hotel. I'm checking out. I'm getting ready to go. My phone rings and it's the front desk saying, hey, you need to get out. You didn't pay or pay for another uh, pay for another day. I said, well, I'm packing my bags now and uh, I'm getting ready to leave. He says, well, you, you better be out in the next two minutes. Or I'm charging you for another day and be a real asshole on the phone. Uh, and I went, stopped at the front desk and turned to my key. I says, everything okay? And the guy looks at me and says, yes, sir. You leaving? Yeah, I am. So Owen asked me about it when I got to the building and he started laughing. Then I realized he was the one who called. It wasn't the front desk. He just, he wanted to give me, give me a bunch of shit. But Kurt Henning would do things like this. And I was in Oregon with Kurt. That's where I first met him. And Chief uh, Jules Strombo, not Jay, but um, uh, Chief Running Hill, Frank Frank Hill. Um, and we were in a spot show in Oregon, and uh, I don't know what was going on with, with Chief and uh, Kurt, but I was watch out. I was out watching uh, the Chief with a – he was a, in a tag match, I guess, and Kurt had left. And Chief came running back to the back after the match, and he went right to the stall uh, and found his shoe in the toilet. And he went, damn you, Kurt. <laughs> they had been, they'd been having a running game going on back and forth with who could get who. And Kurt was the kind of guy who would shave off your eyebrows or shave off one of your eyebrows and shave off his eyebrow to show, hey, they got me too. I can't believe it. So that was the kind of, those are the kind of ribs, those are the kind of things that, um, you know, but, but once again, we were working a territory. Here's here's the thing: what people don't, don't <clears throat> understand, I don't expect them to. <clears throat> we're in a territory. We're all together. We're working with each other every night. We were performers. We we're entertainers. We're in this. We're in this clan. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the traveling bag of nuts, and and whoever's a promoter is a head cashew. So, when you did something like that. Um, if you didn't catch heat from the promoter, if you caught, you're going to catch some heat. Now, why are you doing this guy? Stop being so immature. But at the same time, we all knew, you know, once, once you went through some, uh, stress and strife, are you made for this business? Are you made for the times on the road? Are you made for the times of people going to be horrible to you? You know, does it, is it right? No, not all the time. The mean pranks, especially, but some of the ribs were funny. Some of the ribs were light and uh everybody was cool as long as nobody got hurt and and things like that everybody was seemed to be fine with it you had occasionally people who didn't want to be ribbed davy always said i don't rib and i don't want to be ribbed he was the biggest river of them all um so i i appreciate the way business is now because the guys are learning how to save money better. The guys aren't going out getting drunk and stoned and high and dangerous, doing dangerous things all night long. I'm sure some still are because you always have those people. But I, I also think a lot of that has been lost today in just understanding that you got into this business because you didn't want to be like everybody else. You got into wrestling because you are different. You, you actually felt you could do this because you're that special. And then you get to do this. And then you have other people who feel almost the same way or 
or slightly the same way or just happy to be there and want to have a good time. Um, and you got to know how to coexist. You got to know how to meld. You got to know how to mix and you got to know how to talk. And, and sometimes that also included, can you take a rib? Can you take a joke? It wasn't always, it wasn't always bad. It was a lot of harmless stuff. Just, uh, I was in Corpus Christi or, or Harlingen, Texas one time. I had a zipper bag and, uh, as a rookie, they kept saying, Hey, we're going to give you your wings one day, rookie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Chavo Guerrero, Manny Fernandez, Tiger Conway Jr. were, were mentoring me. And, uh, I walked out to go to the bathroom. I came back in my bag is zipped up and, everybody's quiet and I go to open my bag and a bird flies out. <laughs> a bird flew out of my bag <laughs> and everybody died laughing. And Chavo goes, Hey rookie, there's your wings. Go get him, man. And they opened the door and let the bird out and he flew away. Just a rib, just a rib. Nobody was hurt. They didn't hurt my stuff in the bag and nothing, nothing like that. But I've also had, here's a rib too, where I've had somebody take my bag. And in St. Louis, uh, it was three, three levels of locker rooms. And um, again, with Chavo Guerrero, Tiger Conway. And I, I came back after my match, went out to watch Tiger and Chavo's match, came back, couldn't find my bag. And uh, Chavo wanted to go. He goes, come on, man. Probably somebody took it and set the hotel. I said, no, 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 no. I don't know anybody well enough to take my bag to the hotel. Okay, so I'm going to find it first. Looked all over the three floors, finally went down to the boiler room. Somebody taking my bag and throwing everything all over. So, um, for whatever reason, that that that's one of the bad ribs. That's one of those things you go, all right, but what do you do about that too? And thank God that stuff doesn't happen either. I mean, do you uh, confront somebody? You're going to... What's the end game? What's the upside? What do you do? How do you handle it? Do you put it over? Do you, are you crying? What are you doing? I don't condone stuff like that. I really don't. I really don't. I don't condone bullying. I don't condone any of that. But sometimes when you're sitting around or you're traveling, um, you, you, you've got to, got to entertain yourself somehow. And if you've never gone crazy, you never followed your heart. And, and my God, you got to do it, man. You got to, you got to have fun. Don't hurt anybody. You know, something stupid. Don't throw people's clothes all over the place, please. But, but for the most part, there were harmless ribs. And, um, uh, I do believe the guys could loosen up today and have a lot better time. Did they literally just go outside, find a bird, grab it and bring it in and put it in your bag? They, they had the bird, they had the door open. This was a, uh, a, a locker room in Harlingen, Texas. That's why I remember the town uh, where you had to go outside and then go inside another building to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. When the door was open, they said the bird walked in. Not when I opened it, but somebody opened the door and the bird actually walked in the locker room. You know, just, just was on the ground, walked in. And they said, hey, get it. And they grabbed the bird and put it in my bag. So it had walked in from the outside, is what uh, Tiger told me. <laughs> yeah, that's how they got it. Wasn't expecting the bird at all. When we've, we've no, heard... no, 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 it wasn't. But but that's the same. I mean, I I left my bag. I always zip my bag anyway. But but it was zipped like a little tighter. I didn't really something told me, but I wasn't expecting a bird. 
but yeah, it was because again, we were the, the Royal order of the chicken hawks. I, I had, to, yeah, whatever it was, that was, that was the Manny and Chavo deal. And, uh, so they would say, we're going to give you wings. You can get your wings, rookie. And, uh, so he said, Hey, there's your wings, man. There you go. So I've heard about wrestlers finding other things in their bags, but I wasn't expecting a bird. Definitely not a bird. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Those, those days too. Uh, I'm glad those days are gone because, um, that that's that's just a nasty thing to do to people and that's that's the main ribs uh the funny ribs good because it does keep you laughing it does keep you on your toes but yeah, yeah no I they're the ones i wanted to hear about we've heard obviously not to touch on it too much but dark side yeah. of the ring not too long ago we heard about all those horrible ribs and those mean ribs it's good to hear about those little fun ones um tom it's been an absolute pleasure man that's that's all i've got for you like i said it's Super early in the morning for you. I know you've got a busy schedule, so I don't want to keep you for too long. But thank you so much for joining me. It's uh, this was an absolute privilege and an honor. Um, before I let you go, though, where can people find you? Like, have you got any social media for the academy? Is there anywhere people can go? You said you've got a uh, Patreon as well. We do have Patreon, but if you go to jpwrestlingacademy.com, has all the information on the front page. It has all the tabs you can uh, click on and run down. Pardon me. Uh, we're in our last class of JPWA for 2021, but we start a new class in January 2022. Uh, again, it's on our website, but I'll let you know uh, because I have it written down because I'm so smart. All right, January 3rd, we start 2022, but once again, you can go to jpwrestlingacademy.com. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Tom Pritchard, and uh, we do have Patreon. We have Facebook. Uh, Jacob Pritchard Wrestling Academy, but I believe the website will take you everywhere you need to go. Cool. And I'll put all of that information in the about section as well on audio and on YouTube. Again, Tom, thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for watching or thank you for listening. Like I said at the very start, please hit that button wherever you are, whether it be follow or subscribe so that you get notifications for new episodes. And thank you for joining us. I've had a blast. I hope you had a blast. Tom, you've been an absolute star. Until next time, guys, take care.